Hi friends, it's Sarah May, and this is an episode about holding on to pain, and it's about how negative emotional patterns can affect our physical body. So just like stress can cause you to get a tight knot in the muscles of your back, so too can other parts of your body hold tight to things like fear or anger or even malformed due to a particular belief system, because things like a pervasive feeling of lack in life can manifest in physical form in the way we do everything. Like, if we feel like we're lacking, it can affect the way we digest food. So you've probably heard things like this a million times and thought to yourself, ha, yeah, right. Because it's a weird, heady concept, and it's not something you can test with, like, a beaker. It's the power of the mind, and it comes off as super new-agey, and therefore... We often put it put it into the bullshit pile, but the effects of how we hold on to emotional pain are quite severe, and they manifest in disease, and they actually damage your gene code for future generations. So in my opinion, why not lean in favor of do something about it regardless, because there's nothing to lose, everything to gain, or maybe just decide to stay open to what could be just for the sake of practicing openness. So in broad strokes, I'm going to go through some of the connections between emotions we hold on to and where they tend to get stuck in our body, plus a few tools to do something about it. So there are several books on the particular topics that I'm going to uh, post at the end of the blog version of this podcast. But in truth, if you suffer from chronic pain, go to a doctor. And if you suffer severe emotional pain, see a therapist. Because this is not a substitute for either of those. This is just kind of, I guess, practical mechanisms to soothe things that you're aware of. So just so you know what you're getting into, this is an episode that's all about the body. So there's a whole lot of yoga to soothe particular negative emotions that get stuck in the body. And if that doesn't appeal to you, you probably won't like this episode. But I would bet you get something valuable valuable out of it regardless. And this is also, you know, it's about the body. So I'm going to be saying things like poop. (laughs) If that's not what you want to listen to right now, maybe save this episode for another time. And if you are worried that this is going to feel like too hippy-dippy, I hear you because it's totally a turnoff. And it's almost like that moment when you're talking to a person you think you like and suddenly they say something and you think, ah, okay, I understand. You're a crazy person. I'm going to try and keep this as grounded and relatable as possible. But again, I will ask that you please receive what I say without judging it on the way out, so, or on the way in. Allow yourself to experience it and just absorb it with total non-judgment, and just take a simple resting state of, maybe, maybe that is true. As per usual, there are three parts, the what, the why, and the how, the tools. So just like a physical injury, when you go through a particularly painful emotional experience, it will manifest in the way you think, feel, act, and therefore live. So the effects will manifest in your body in more ways than simply the chemicals released in your brain. Because we are connected, we're complex, and every system is affects the others. So there's a whole chain reaction that occurs once something becomes a pattern. So balance is thrown off. Just look at the effect of driving with your right foot. We have a whole generation, whole race of humans with a right leg slightly shorter than the left because the tendons get tighter. So just like different people deal with stress differently, some explode, some eat it, some run it off, the ways we manage toxic emotions is all different. And so depending who you are and the tools you've been dealt by your genes and also your upbringing, you will store different emotions and process them in different ways. So depending on your sensitivities and also your ability to manage extremely overwhelming types of pain, sometimes you don't release the emotion and instead we clench, we bury, we control, we manage them in unconscious ways. And so this is when we start to hold on to them deep inside ourselves. And it's when we don't process, invent these toxic emotions that they start to manifest in physical form in our body. 
It's almost like we're taking out the emotion on our body instead of moving through it consciously. When this pain turns into something real and dangerous to our health is when it manifests a great imbalance. So it's too much to simply continue just soothing the symptoms. Like we can't take any more antacids. It's something that has now manifested into something chronic and irreparable. I mean, not irreparable. It's too harsh, but you know what I mean. So for example, if you have a delicate stomach and then you also have problems processing stress, and therefore you internalize the stress, you might be heading toward an ulcer. Or if you have intense anxiety and you don't process that emotion, the imbalance in your chemicals can cause serious allergic reactions. Like your immune system might react with itchy rashes all over your body, or you might break out with zits, or you might even lose your hair. Because the connections between toxic emotions are various, and they are common, and they're kind of logical when you think about what could be causing something like that. When your chemicals are upset, weird shit happens. And when your emotions are out of whack, that's when you start to release weird chemicals. That's why it's so vital to your long-term health and your DNA to live with balance, to soothe your body, help yourself to recognize and pass pain, move through pain, instead of pushing it down somewhere we don't even know. Because we inherit this stuffed emotional problem from the generation before us in the form of gene degradation. It's not just a coincidence there's no such, there is such a thing as culturally inherited trauma. So if you hold on to old pain and you manage it in kind of primitive ways, it's not your fault. It's just because it started at a time when we were incapable. It's a self-defense mechanism. And so they all come into play when we need to protect ourselves to cope with things that are too overwhelming. And it's usually begins at an age when we are overwhelmed and the feelings are a little bit too much. So this isn't about blaming yourself and feeling shitty because you haven't managed stress properly. It's all about changing yourself now, today, moving forward, recognizing what you want to focus on healing and working on it deliberately from a grown-up, stable place in your life. Because emotional pain needs to be confronted and released. When we harbor the emotions like resentment, fear, other negative emotions, we allow it to create upset. It creates a chronic imbalance, tension, resistance. It becomes a point of focus, and then it's like the shortened right leg. It just suddenly throws everything else off. It's all about muscle memory and what you learn to do to cope, just like an instinct. So right now, I want to talk about the particular common instincts and help you maybe look into something you might notice in yourself or maybe inspire you to reflect about something in particular in yourself. Which brings me to part two, the why. So if you were to draw diagonal lines to connect the emotional cause and its effect in the body, it would totally make sense. It would be like it would just be logical. It, they kind of fit together. So it's almost like drawing a map of the body based on the flow of your chemicals and how they might flow throughout your day and then also how they would be affected by other life patterns. So just like if you were to be a smoker, you'd be able to trace the effects of that. That's similar to how managing emotions, toxic emotions, uh, works as well. So it's all in all cases pretty unconscious these patterns that we live by are always kind of attached to who we think we are it's part of our story and therefore it's it's all types of stuff we think defines us but we don't realize that those definitions are flexible that they can be changed that they can be questioned at any point in our life and some can be shed we can decide which ones aren't working for us anymore. We can also look at them and question where they were founded to begin with. Because sometimes we pick them up from our parents or the way we grew up or others and we attach them to ourselves and we rarely get the opportunity to look at them and 
just decide, wait, maybe that's not true at all. A lot of the time it's because we don't even think that we have the option to undo a pattern. It's like depending on what you tell yourself, it will become the truth. So you could be telling yourself you are strong or you can be telling yourself you're a victim to your troubles. It's all about the perspective and realizing you have a choice in the matter. It all comes down to awareness and then choice. I know it's hard to believe you could cause physical pains you suffer because that means you have a hand in something you are helpless against. How can you stop something you can't see you're doing? If you were told by a doctor that you could change the way you feel your pain, you'd likely say, go to hell, jerk. I came here to get some help. Because we're in our body. We can't separate from it. Therefore, we often are a victim to it, especially when it's hurting or it's revolting against us. So this is all about taking small, deliberate steps to self-examine, look deeper, and question the beliefs we hold to be true, and then slow down in our patterned reactions and applying a new approach, even something small. You can always choose to think differently and begin a new habit, and everything in the rest of your life will change if you just start something different today. So let's talk specifically about some of the common spots we hold pain in the body, because it's all pretty basic. Anger, when it's kept inside, boils and infects the body. Resentment festers, guilt leads to pain, anxiety creates imbalance and a lack of focus, and I'm going to go through some of the specifics of, I would say, the most common ailments as I see them. So hopefully, I will address yours. There are five. Number one is stomach issues. Stomach issues like indigestion. So if you have a really uh, sensitive stomach or you're prone to stomach aches, usually that's tied to dread, fear. Uh, anticipation of something to come. So pervasively, if you have stomach problems, you have a lot of anxiety and maybe past trauma because emotions create acid and then the excess of acid creates things like ulcers. The second, back pain. A lot of people have back pain, like serious chronic back pain. And stiffness, stiffness is usually caused by rigidness in life like tension that affects the various ligaments and tendons, and then the nerves. So the most common cause of chronic back pain is tied to anger, unvented anger. So depending on how bad the pain is, it might be very old, intense anger. And that might sound weird to you, but if you picture like a cartoon character that's super mad and turning red, they don't look bendy and relaxed. They look rigid and tensed. So if you had a coping method that involved managing a lot of unmet needs, maybe that's where the back pain came from. If you were angry and never voiced the anger, it stores emotions and kind of manifests itself in um, chain reaction of pain. If you have excruciating back pain, something to look into. The third one is skin problems, and skin problems meaning like sensitive skin like rashes or breakouts. Usually those are tied to anxiety and fear and old unvented issues, but feelings of being under threat. So when it comes to things like um, breakout, like a rash, that's usually an allergic reaction to stress that's internalized around fear. I actually get that. I have that exact thing. I used to have it when I was a kid. Um, but when it comes to things like cold sores, that's usually unvented anger versus fear. Uh, the fourth one, <laughs> constipation. <laughs> this is the other side of stomach problems. And that is related to a feeling of lack in life. It's when you hold on to things and you are afraid that nothing is enough. So it, if you were to have a problem with lack in your life, there's a good chance that that's tied to the way you digest food. Fat. This is number five. I know that's a weird one, but we tend to hold fat according to where we are protecting ourselves, where we're almost um, malnourished, ironically. So it's a form of emotional neediness and sensitivity. So think of it like... 
an animal might grow a thicker shell for protection. So holding fat in the belly is a denial of nourishment or feeling that you are denied emotional nourishment. Um, and it usually comes from feeling like you didn't get enough love, like sensitivity to wanting more love and feeling like you are not loved. And the sixth one is spinal misalignments. And this is way too lengthy and complex for me to attack because each one of your vertebrae is tied to a whole other mess of organs and neurological systems that can create all different sorts of results. So if your spine is misaligned, it can irritate a lot in your balance. Coincidentally, the, sac the sacrum, which is like the bones you sit on, that's where many of us hold on to the oldest anger. So emotions that are related to very, very young ages with loss of power or just the stubborn anger of a child. So that's why if you have tight hips and you do a hip opener in yoga for the first time, sometimes people burst into tears because it holds a lot of weird old stuff. It's bizarre. Body of ours. So any or all of these do not ring true for you and you're feeling the urge to shut off because this sounds way too out there and hippie. I feel you. It's totally that kind of topic. So if you're not used to thinking about the power your brain has over your body or just doesn't seem logical to you, Instead of shutting off, I would say, ask yourself what could be right for me. What could be a pattern in my emotions or my feelings that could be creating a problem in my body? And if you have a theory, place some value in it. It doesn't seem illogical. Things are connected. Your brain has power. So give it some thought. What in me, something, an ailment of some sort, think what could it possibly be tied to? in my emotional patterns, and my coping mechanisms. And hopefully I'll have something, some sort of theory in mind, because it'll give you something to relate to in the tools section. So this is part three, the tools. So everyone can do this number one tool. And then after that, I'm going to go into specifics for different kinds of pain and negativity patterns. So the first one, I'm calling nego pattern reflection. It's just to start seeing where you could use some shifts in your life. Why? Because it could be a key to altering your physical health in dramatic ways over time. So just grab a journal if you have time. Otherwise, just do this in your head. But think about what are some of the negative coping habits that you currently have. Like, for example, how do you manage stress? Are there ways that you deal with conflict in your relationships that you know are not direct that are avoiding so how are different shortcuts in your life managing things like pain so this is not about intent it's not about saying i'm a lazy person it's it's analyzing a habit or just a go-to that you it's so well trained in that you just don't even think about it so it's like i guess give some thought to the patterns you have where your autopilot takes over and identify the areas that you should be soothing or balancing in a different way. So if it's something like anger, acceptance, anxiety, what is your go-to knee-jerk reaction to something that hurts you in your life? Are you one of those people that ignores things? Or when you're angry, do you not say anything and then let it explode? Or do you just let it go eventually? Like, what are the ways, where do you put those toxic kinds of emotions? Give it some thought. And write it down. That's the first step. Whatever you have identified, just acknowledge to yourself, either aloud or internally, that you are willing to release this habit of being, that you want to let go of this emotional pattern that has created a condition in your life. Just start there. Doesn't mean you have to do anything yet. Just acknowledge that you want to release the habit. Okay, tool number two, I'm calling power of intention. And it's a personal mantra tool. So it's really simple. I want to invite you to begin a practice of just speaking aloud the intention you have in any given moment to let something go. And I want, to use it, want you to use it as a way to help yourself cease all acts of 
criticism or any basically negative thinking. So any emotional thoughts you have that are coming from fear or anger or things that create toxic energy in your body, this is a way for you to just begin to navigate your way out of them. Because sometimes it's really hard to overrule old negative thought habits. Like if you're mad and you really don't want to be mad, it's sometimes really hard to talk yourself out of the emotion. So this is basically a casual meditation. It's like no matter what the emotion is or how powerful it is, you are just going to speak aloud to yourself as you try and do something to soothe yourself. I let this go. I choose to let go of this blank. I choose to let go of this anger. So just repeat that to yourself. And just that act in itself has a lot of power in changing the flow of your thoughts and how much energy continues to flow to this negative emotion. It's how you identify you, your true self, in the midst of your own emotional turmoil. I use it sometimes when I'm really angry and I know it's petty and I don't want to be. Just repeating my own truth despite the chemical state of anger. And sometimes that's the key to navigating a way out of it. It's like slowly the path starts to bend away from the emotion. So again, this is your personal mantra. You get to say whenever you're in an emotion you don't like and you don't want and you know isn't true for you, it's just taken over. I choose to let this go. I'm not, I choose to let go of this anger. Just repeat it softly and repeat it to yourself, preferably while you use tool number three. What? It's, a, this is a lengthy one. Tool number three, I'm going to go through specific yoga poses for emotional processing. And there are a series of different poses, different tools for specific kinds of toxic emotions. So I have using letters since we have tool number three. So it's A, B, C, D, E. So anxiety, depression, fatigue, anger, and stress is the last one. So I'm going to give you a couple different poses that you're basically going to do while you, I, I would say, open your little casual meditation with this mantra, choose to let go of this anger. And then depending on what you need to soothe, you're going to do a, basically a breathing meditation while doing a yoga pose. And I, I recommend 30 to 60 breaths minimum. And if you're not into yoga or you've done yoga and it didn't really stick, it's this type of yoga is much more focused. I would call it closer to a meditation than anything else because it truly is just focusing on one chemical process in your body. So these are going to address specific parts of your body and the way that your blood flows through your body. Because the relationship between the mind and the body is reflexive. You don't want your mind running away with you or creating physical ailments, so you use the body as a way to calm the mind and keep yourself balanced. So with the various yoga poses, you're going to get fresh blood flowing through the various parts of your body, and you're also going to remedy the unhealthy habits that everyday life inflicts on you. So things like bad posture, cramps, just all of these random little things are totally affected by our mental state. They're created by our mental state. So think of it like you're cleaning out your insides with breath and stretching and calming chemicals and returning yourself to a place of peace and tranquility manually. So all of this, all of these are, are yoga sutras, which were crafted somewhere between 300 BC and 300 AD. And even back then, they understood that the mind and the body are in constant turmoil because of all the stresses we go through. All these stresses to our, our body and our, our brain are bringing about things in us that we don't want, like depression, anxiety, rage, restlessness. So yoga is about bringing balance back to our chemicals and back to, therefore, our bodies. So each, each pose has a manifestation in your health, and it affects your holistic well-being. So just think of it as good for all of you. It's good for... The nerves, the glands, the tissues, the cells in each system of your body. And it'll affect respiratory, excretory, hormonal, digestive, nervous system, reproductive systems, everything. It creates equilibrium between every part of you as a human, your intellect and your soul. So it allows you, if you practice regularly, to master and overcome the impulses that's why it's so helpful for people with PTSD and people that suffer from addiction. 
because you take the power away from your brain by using your true self, your own will, to manually soothe your whole person. You can create mental detachment. So with all of these poses, keep in mind that they are helpful for managing the effects of a problem by targeting a specific part of the body, but they are not a substitute for the doctor or for a psychiatrist. Well, they're both doctors, but if you have chronic pain, go to a medical doctor. If you're suffering severe emotional pain, go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Another caveat, if you are not comfortable in these poses, don't do them. Sometimes it takes working up flexibility to get to the place of comfort over a long time. So I'm going to describe them, but I recommend you Google the terms so that you can see what these poses look like. And just take all of my suggestions based on what feels right and safe for you and your body. Because I am not a doctor. I just read a lot and I do a lot of yoga. And the shit works for me. It really does. And I use them on a regular basis, including all of these poses. So hopefully there will be something in here that will work for you. But they must be practiced with intelligence and sincerity. Like you have to do them with the utmost patience and commit. So don't rush and don't give up if you don't see instant effects. It's, it takes really meaning it. So I re recommend you take a listen and follow through along with me right now and then come back to the one that applies to you and practice it for the appropriate amount of time. And as you do these, I suggest you repeat the personal mantra right before you do the practice. So kind of make it like your own mini yoga processing sesh and target one particular negative emotion. So I'll also put these in the blog version of this uh, podcast. So I'll link all of the poses in case they're hard to understand or picture. Um, and while you do these, while you use these, I want you to take slow, even breaths in and out of your nose. You're breathing in and out of your nose. And if something causes you to hold your breath, like it's uncomfortable and you feel like you can't breathe, don't do it. That's the opposite of yoga. In short, don't hurt yourself. And also, if you're super pregnant, probably not a good idea to do these. Or if you have really high blood pressure. Caveat, 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 caveat. You get what I mean. Um, alrighty. So the first set, subset of this tool is for anxiety. So these are all the poses that squeeze your organs and get blood circulating through your body evenly. And they kind of relax the sympathetic nervous system. That's the fight or flight system that activates when we're really stressed out. So it's really helpful to do all of these poses barefoot. But I do some of these at work sometimes, so I think you can too. So the, They kind of go from easiest to hardest. So the first pose in treating anxiety, feelings of anxiety, are forward folds. So these soothe and calm your body and your brain, and they're also really good for depression. But a standing forward fold is if you are, let's say you have like a little bit off equilibrium or you're a beginner at this yoga thing, you can stand against a wall if it's easier. So line your whole body up completely flat against the wall. You're basically just going to fold forward and let your whole torso completely relax. So you're almost trying to touch your toes. And just take slow, even, deep breaths through your nose. If you're flexible, you can also hold onto your elbows, like opposite elbows. And if this really hurts, just bend your knees slightly. And if that still hurts, just stack some books in front of you so that you can brace your weight on them while you fold. And hold this one for one minute. Slow, even, deep breaths and close your eyes if you can. The other version of this is a sitting forward fold. And this, you basically, if you were to lie flat on the ground with your feet straight out in front of you, and then sit straight up, keep your toes pointed straight upwards, and now fold over your legs, keeping your back as long as possible. So you're trying to touch your toes, but keep your back straight. And this one works really well for soothing anxiety because your heart is horizontal and it's not above you. Therefore, the heart is relieved of a whole lot of work pumping blood upwards. So it circulates more easily. Forward fold to the first one. Second one is extreme chest stretch. In Sanskrit, it's also called par Parsvottanasana. So this one, you're going to stand up very straight, just on your own two feet, upright posture, and you're going to put your hands together 
behind your shoulders, like a reverse prayer position, which is a super, super deep stretch on your shoulders. If that's too deep, you're going to simply hold on to opposite elbows behind your back and try and keep your core, your stomach flexed, like tight. It's going to puff your chest out a bit, and it's going to feel really intense on your shoulders. So if you want to, ease into this one if it feels really awkward. Just start with the holding opposite elbows. Same thing. Slow, even, deep breaths in and out. Close your eyes if you can. The next one in this anxiety treatment pose series is a restorative inversion. And this inversions are anything that make your heart higher than your head. And it's a really good way to get all the good juicy chemicals that we want flowing to our brain. So this is a restorative inversion. It's something you want to do when you're really tired or you don't have an energy, enough energy to do other poses. So you're basically just going to lie flat on your back. You're going to relax your legs and your arms. And you're going to get like a towel or a blanket, something thick, I guess, that would roll up to be, let's say, four inches in diameter. So you're going to lie completely flat except put this rolled up towel or blanket just under your shoulder blades and let your arms splay out above it. So your heart is the only thing higher than the rest of your body on the ground. It's just going to make your back arch upwards a little bit, just right under your heart. So it should be your bottom of your shoulder blades should be touching this. And then you just stay right there, close your eyes, breathe out slowly and deeply through your nose. So those are for anxiety. The second one second subset of tools is for depression. So for depression, you want to do poses that get more blood flowing to your head. So inversions are great and back bends. And uh, I'm going to start with the easier ones and go to the harder ones. So the first one is called mountain pose. And that's basically, basically standing up straight with your arms straight at your sides, your head completely straight up and down, and your uh, your feet just evenly pressed on the ground, looking straight ahead. So bare feet is preferable for this one. You know, it sounds simple, but just stand as straight as you possibly can, looking straight ahead, your feet hips distance apart, breathe slow, deep, even breaths. And if you are, if you have a hard time balancing, do this against the wall. And uh, the next one, you've probably heard many times before, it's a common yoga pose, downward dog. So this will slow your heart rate, and it's great for calming the brain and also relieves your cramps, ladies. Um, and it's great for giving you also renewed energy. So to do downward dog, if you are not flexible in your hamstrings, you can do this in uh like pushing your tips of your fingers against the edge of a wall, like the base of a wall. So to do this, basically you get into a tabletop position, like on all fours, and then put your fingertips to the base of the wall if you need to, and then just lift your knees straight up off of the ground and straighten your legs. You want to press your heels down to the ground, and if it's really painful for your hamstrings, then just keep your knees bent a bit. The goal is to press your chest toward the ground while keeping your arms completely straight and your shoulder blades sucked onto your back. So I do this one all the time. Slow, even deep breaths. Repeat your little mantra and uh, at least a minute. Next one is kind of a more advanced yoga pose, but it's really, really good for depression. So if, if you're inspired, I recommend you watch a YouTube video on how to do this. But bridge pose or upward facing bow. Basically, you're going to lie on your back, bend your knees so that your feet are directly below your your knees. <laughs> and then you're going to bend your arms into two robot arms with your hands pointing straight upwards. You're going to press on your elbows and you're also going to press uh, down on your feet and you're going to curl your tailbone up away from the ground and keep your just the bottom of your stomach muscles uh, engaged. You're just going to lift your lower torso up off of the ground and push down with the backs of your arms, the back of your shoulders. And you want to keep your neck super long, so you shouldn't have any restriction in your breathing. So the only things that would be touching on the ground are shoulders, your neck, your elbows, and your feet. And press down evenly into your feet. 
to make sure you have the goal is to create length in your body and keep your tailbone curled under. You don't want to just push. You want to relax your core and then push your back to bend too far. So that would be a great way to, I, I would say, create more positive energy in your body. And if you can do this for a minute, great. If you can do it for 30 breaths, awesome. But basically, slow, even deep breaths. The next version of this is a restorative bridge pose. So if you if that's too intense for you or you are just tired at the end of the day, basically you're going to take all of the couch cushions off and you're going to make a long row of them and you're going to put all of them under your body all the way up to the base of your shoulder blades. You're going to lie down across them except to let your shoulders and your head and your neck lay on the ground flat. So you're going to lay all across them with your body elevated about, let's say, at least six inches off the ground, maybe a foot off the ground, everything except your shoulders, head, and neck, and then you're going to put your arms, elbows bent, splayed out uh, besides your upper torso. So just lie here. Make sure your neck is not constricted, like you're not curled forward, and you're, I can't, making the shape of it. You probably can't tell. Anyway, make sure your neck is completely straight and looking up. Don't try not to turn it side to side. Same thing, slow, even deep breaths, eyes closed. And then when you want to get out of it, roll off of the cushions. And if you do these, if you do backbends on a regular basis, they give you an increased ability to handle stress. They relieve tension, nervous exhaustion. It's kind of like giving yourself a burst of life and energy. So uh, those, were, those were my depression yoga poses. The next section is... Some poses for fatigue and lethargy. So it's helpful to do these um, because they are restorative. Like it's if you are in a state of like mental exhaustion, it's really not good to push yourself to do ex like really strenuous exercise because it means your nervous system is already taxed and you're pushing it even more. So your job is to elevate and restore your energy. So for you, I have twisting poses because these move a lot of blood from your organs and they're really helpful increasing your energy and purging kind of negative emotions because they're cleansing. They like send blood rushing around. So it's very refreshing. So the first one is torso leg stretch. Sounds sexy, right? Or marichasana. So these are, it's basically both legs straight out in front of you, sitting on the ground. Uh, and then first bend your right knee into towards you so it's upright and extend your you're going to twist toward that right knee and you're going to extend your left arm and allow that upper part of your left arm to rest on the outside of your right knee so you're going to keep your back straight up and down and twist toward the right and you can use your right arm to help brace yourself behind you so you can support yourself to keep your back straighter and you're going to use just light pressure against your bent knee to just lightly twist deeper and breathe deeply for at least 30 seconds. And then slowly come out of it and switch sides. Always do both. If you can't reach your left arm all the way in front of your right knee, then just hold on to your right knee and kind of pull yourself that way. Um, the next one is a reclining twist or what I like to call the twisted action figure pose. So if you were to take a G.I. Joe doll and like twist its torso, that's kind of what you're going to do. You're going to lie on the ground and you're going to bend your knees into your body. And then you're going to basically let them fold over to the left and you're going to look to the right. And so if you were to have your arms up in like action figure arm pose, like they're just bent like cactus arms, you're going to look the opposite way that your knees are bent or folded. And there's just 30 breaths on one side, and then lift your legs up and then twist to the other side. So 30 seconds on the other side. So 30 breaths on the other side. And the last one, this is for if you are a seasoned yogi or you have done yoga before and you're very, very limber. It's called plow pose. This is a really intense stretch, but it's good for increasing confidence and balancing your energy and you're giving you clarity of mind. Don't do this one if you have high blood pressure or if you've never done yoga before because it's one of the hardest ones 
and I recommend you watch a YouTube how-to first if you're going to try it. But you do, do this lying down flat, and you roll your legs up over your head and kind of brace your back with your hands against your upper back. So you're basically going to look like an upside-down forward fold and keeping your legs straight. So you're going to touch your toes on the ground up behind your head. So keep your neck totally straight. Don't look side to side. Slow, even, deep breaths. It's a sort of an awkward pose because you're like looking into your crotch, basically. Um, and it's really hard to do if you tight hamstrings. Maybe save this one. It doesn't sound like totally easy. So the next section, I have poses for anger. And for anger, if you have like a short temper, heart openers and poses that uplift your mood are really good for soothing because it helps you regain emotional strength, stability, and center you from turbulent emotions. So if you're prone to mood swings, I recommend you start a daily heart opener practice with personal mantra. So the first pose is a seated cross-legged position. Now that sounds like boring and so what, but it's, it's very grounding. So it's uh, basically sit like you would in kindergarten. You're, you're crossing your legs, sitting on your sit bones, keeping your back completely straight. And if you want to rest your hands gently on your knees, or if you want to keep them kind of cupped in the center of your knees, um, this kind of gets you back to your internal meditative state. The Sanskrit translates to well-beingness. So just sit on the ground with your legs crossed. If it's too hard, you can sit up against the wall with your back against the wall. If it hurts your hips, just sit on a cushion. Like keep, put a cushion under your butt and have your knees a little bit lower. Or even a stack of heavy books. So sit here for, I would say, at least a minute. And then if you can, switch the cross of your legs and do the same thing. Helps to even out, even though one feels totally weird. So the next version of this is a, a way to process kind of that really deep old anger. And this is a hip opener. So you're going to do exactly the same thing, sit cross-legged, only you're going to fold forward over your legs. Like basically sit cross-legged and now lift your arms straight up into the air, keeping your back completely straight. You're going to fold forward and reach your hands out as far in front of you as you can. And just breathe slow and deep breaths for 30 breaths and then switch the cross of your legs. The next one is a another cross-legged pose. I'm calling the sleepy kindergartner. It's called downward facing cross-legged pose. So you're going to basically sit cross-legged and instead get a small bench or a table, something that's the height of your breastbone and place it in front of you with a pillow on top of it. So you're going to sit cross-legged right in front of it and on top of a pillow if it's more comfy and you're going to place the other pillow on top of the table and fold your torso on top of it so you're going to lay your upper body down on top of it almost like you fell asleep while you were sitting at the breakfast table and someone to put a pillow under your head but in this case you'd be sitting on the ground and you're extending your body and arm and extend your arms past your head so like right past your head you would cross them and uh, align your body frontally. So, like, don't shift your head to one side. Just keep your back elongated. And if that's not really comfortable, just roll a small blanket and place it under your chest for more support. And breathe deeply here for two minutes. But the next one is a very good one if you are at work and you can't do some of these cross-legged seating ones. So it's a simple chest opener. You're just going to stand in mountain pose, straight up and down, arms at your sides. And you're going to lead with your chest and arch your chest upward toward the sky. Just keep your lower abs engaged, like flexed, and try and arch your back upward and let your arms open like you are about to be beamed up by an alien. Um, and just slow, even deep breaths. Keep... Uh, your eyes closed if you can, and don't relax your neck too much. You want all the oxygen to be flowing through the core of your neck. So if it's if you're leaning your neck back too far and constricts it, like bring it back a bit. And if you are at home, this is another version of that that's really, really, a really powerful chest opener. So camel pose. You're going to get a blanket or something soft and put 
your, uh, put it on the ground and kneel on it with your legs together. And if you can, just curl your toes under to help support you, your balance. You're going to do the same thing. You're going to elevate your upper chest and your torso and arch backward so that you curl your head back, opening your arms, and use your hands on the backs of your hips if you need support. Same thing. Most important, keep your abs and core engaged so you're not just putting tons of weight on your lower back. The goal is to have your upper chest create an arc and your arms to be kind of hanging loose behind you, but you want to keep your breath flowing. So if it's too much on your neck, come a little backwards. Stand a little straighter. So breathe slow, even deep breaths. And when you come out of this one, come out of it the same way you went in, went into it. So like don't, you know, wiggle sideways. Like pull yourself up completely controlled with your abs. Flexing yourself upwards. So those are for anger. And then the last set are for stress. So these are really, really uh, great, but I would say for stress, the most important thing is doing breathing exercises. Those are always going to be centering to your right and left hemispheres of your brain. So the first one is called head on knee pose or Janu Shirsasana. The same thing. So legs straight out in front of you, sitting on your butt, and start with your left leg. Basically pull your right foot in so the bottom of your foot is touching the inside of your thigh. And you're going to stretch up tall, both arms up in the air, and fold over your left leg. Just as straight as you possibly can and allow your back to stay as long as possible. So if you can't touch your toes, just work up towards that and just start with hands by your shin or hands by your knee. And just focus on keeping both sides of your waist and your torso equally stretched. So uh, slow, even deep breaths for 30 breaths. And then slowly come up and switch sides. So eventually when you get enough flexibility, the goal would be to rest your nose on your knee. But if you could only keep, uh, but only if you can keep your leg straight. So if, you, if it's too intense, you can keep your net, knee bent a little bit. Next one, uh, I know it sounds creepy, <laughs> but it's really good for easing tension. Corpse pose. So this is for calming the mind, and it's last in this list because it's the pose you should always do last. If you're doing a bunch of other poses, do this one last because it's a way to shut down your nervous system. So basically, you're going to lie. If you're started on a st in a seated position, you're going to slowly roll yourself down all the way onto your back, vertebrae by vertebrae, until you are completely flat on the ground. And now you're going to allow your arms to splay out, your legs to splay out, completely relaxed. Everything completely even on both sides. No uneven pressure, nothing touching your body. You're going to close your eyes and let everything in your face completely relax. Relax your tongue, relax your mouth, relax your cheekbones, your forehead. Don't breathe any other way than normally. Just relax. Relax your eyes, relax your fingers. If you need to, if it's hard for you to keep your eyes closed, just drape something over your eyes. You're going to just stay completely still for five minutes. Super, super powerful. And if uh, you would like something even more potent, the restorative version of corpse pose is the same thing, but with a pillow under your upper torso and your head. So you can also put one under your knees, like a rolled up blanket, but elevating everything but your butt and your legs and your arms about four inches off of the ground. And if you choose restorative co corpse pose, when you come out of it, just roll to your right side and push yourself up to a seat. So those are the poses. I know it's a lot to take in, and hopefully you could follow my descriptions. Um, and if, I, if you couldn't, then just check out the blog version later on Teaspoon this week. So in closing, I know it's a little uh, much to take in about your brain and mastering your brain, but when we decide who we are and... We decide that it's set in stone. It's usually something we took on as a definition that was based on the ideas of others. So truly, these definitions are never ours. They can also be changed. And it comes down to what is serving you, what is hurting you. And if you have beliefs that are operating within you that are not good, not helpful, just begin by opening yourself to new ones, new opinions, questioning yourself, and all those 
sticking points. Because you can change yourself at any age. Beliefs are cultural. Limits are also cultural. And we rarely question our beliefs because we've grown up and we've grown used to them. So that's what I want you to do now, and I hope you will be inspired to do based on listening to this. Question your beliefs about yourself and challenge the, quote, ways you are and will always be. Because the past is the past, and it created your life up to this moment. But how you choose to look at today and the present moment, that changes everything past this point. It changes your tomorrow. It changes the rest of your life. You can change everything you live from this point forth. So for your own happiness and well-being, allow yourself that choice. Even the smallest change in your perspective will make a dramatic difference in the quality of your life. And just like me, once you actually experience the change and you see some proof of it, then it becomes like an avalanche of momentum and growth and awesomeness. Just trust the process enough to invest just the tiniest bit more in how you invest in change, in focus, in redirection, in pushing yourself toward something a little bit better. And as soon as you start to see the tiniest bit momentum, then it'll get easier and easier, faster and faster. I hope uh, you enjoyed this. I hope it inspires something good in you. And uh, don't forget to smile. Smile.